a podcast dedicated to catching up with former RAs and hearing where their journey of life has taken them since their glory days at NYU. I am tonight's co-host, Maria Lemire, a senior from Long Beach, studying early childhood education, special education, and psychology, and I'm currently an RA in Brittany. And I'm Tom Ellett, the other co-host, and I serve as the Senior Associate VP of Student Affairs. Welcome, Maria. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you. Second year around as an RA, different than the first? Yes, definitely different, and I'd say better for sure. Do you get a lot of requests from your newer RAs in terms of getting experience and asking you questions? And what's the most popular question you got from all the new RAs this year? Yeah, so that's a good question. I think you're definitely placed as like a mentor figure on the team, both just naturally and also like formally, like we went to trainings of like how to be a mentor. So they really prep us well in becoming that kind of person for the new people. And you have been. Yes. And my first year, we didn't really have a lot of returners. We only had two and 11 of us were new. So it's... <laughs> That's hard in a first year area too. Yes. Yeah. So it's cool to be that person for other people. Good deal. Yeah. Now, early childhood education. Yes. Where do you want to teach <laughs> in the spectrum of that? Yeah. So I'll be certified up until second grade. But my favorite age group is definitely kindergarten. (laughs) So, yeah. But I'm also studying special education. So I want to be like the special ed teacher in a co-taught, like, gen ed special ed classroom. Public, private, doesn't matter? Public, for sure. And sometimes even, like, the public sector pays more than the private in certain cases. And I really believe in the public school system for some. And I would like to make it better for all. I have no (laughs) doubt you will. Well... We have a great guest who actually does some of this work. Yeah, I read that. That's so I'm excited to talk to him. Excellent. Who's our guest tonight? So today our guest is Daryl Jordan, who served as an RA in Broom Street for Antonio Gonzalez during the 2002-2003 academic year. Uh, so welcome, Daryl, and thank you for joining us today. Uh, it's been a real pleasure having you on. Thank you. How are you, and where are you, Daryl? I'm doing great, so I am in Brooklyn, and still in New York, and I am, you know, just still teaching and and loving being in the city. Cool. So tell us what you've done since you've graduated from NYU. So I have spent some time over the past number of years teaching in mostly public schools uh, as a music teacher, also working in private school for a portion of that time, but teaching in all grade levels from K through 12. Most of my time has been spent with the high school, and that's where I've still been. I actually teach in Harlem. I've been teaching there this school for about about 11 years. I really had a great time to work with young people and watch them go on and become great young musicians and singers. And I've also continued my own music as well, trying to stay active as an artist myself. So going back to you working in both public and private schools, did you have a preference? I think each one has its pluses and minuses. I think in a private school setting, it can tend to be really about the families and about those who are really invested in the program. You you kind of see your investment right away. Whereas the public, it can be a bit more difficult to see how it connects between your investment in, in, in a government entity, right? And then what's happening in the classroom. But what I do notice is that I really love working where, you know, I love going into places where people are frankly struggling. They're going through a lot. They're marginalized. I've really enjoyed being in urban schools 
and working with students and families and trying to really work at the level of their musicality and their community and their culture. And that's just been really rewarding for me. We're going to jump back a little bit to your days at Washington Square. What did you study while you were a student here? I studied music education in Steinhardt. Were you involved in uh, any extracurricular activities? So I was a part of the student government, the music school student government. Uh, I also was a member music director and at one point the president of the All-University Gospel Choir. I also spent some time being a member of the NYU track team, but I hope nobody can still find those pictures. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to look for them. I I worked a lot. I also spent some time working in the old Cole Sports Center and doing um, working in in the computer labs. What made you want to be an RA? I really felt like over the years, I had had some great RAs who really just impacted me in terms of just acclimating to New York, not being from the city. It just was a, it was great to sort of connect to them and see what they were doing day in and day out. And as an educator, I thought what better experience than for me to work with my peers and actually learn how to be a part of residence life. And so I thought it would be a great opportunity. So what was it like to work on a staff at NYU? I would say it was it was surprisingly tough at points. You know, for all intents and purposes, it was a job. So you had to be very much involved in the life of the of the dorm and very much involved with other residents and, and folks and, and trying to balance between being a peer and a friend and a support while at the same time having a level of responsibility for what goes on not only on the floor, but within the building. And so trying to support residents at times, you know, it's, it's kind of difficult, you know, when, you, when you've got like four papers to write and you're trying to think about, I got office hours or somebody's talking to me about something that they really need help with right now. And I, I really just need to get to the library, you know? Um, so it was a balancing act. It was a balancing act. But you had major, many things going on. You had the education focus, you had the music focus, and the RA position. How did you balance those three things? Antonio had said something to me in one of my evaluations where he was like, you know, to be so busy and involved, it seems as if it would be a liability, but in actuality, for you, it's a strength. And he said, just sort of watching me and how I've been and thinking about my own upbringing, I've always learned how to sort of wear many hats. I think I get it from my mother. She was very much like that, you know, still is to this day. I used to have a big wall of like dates on on my on my calendar and I had like a huge you know, a pocket planner that I was like using and I think the palm was still out then. So I was using a palm pilot and, you know, just constantly making sure that everything was the same everywhere and just I could pull it out in a second and know exactly where I needed to be and made sure that proximity was important like trying to make sure I could get to every place in a given time so that that helped me out a lot as well. So what kind of relationships did you have with your residents or in other words were you a cool RA? I had a fun relationship with them I mean I think Broom Street tended to be one that was for a lot of a lot of upperclassmen were on my floor so we kind of shared the same sense of having to be busy with work and then we come home, but home was, we weren't there that often because we had to get to the next thing. So we sort of shared that, but 
one of the things I remember I used to do, I used to always do, you know, like I was thinking about like food on Fridays. I love cooking. So I would do lasagna bakes or like other little things. If I had something like I would, you know, check and see if folks wanted to come get some or things like that. And so, you know, it was a good relationship uh, for the most part. But like I said, it was it was different because, you know, in, in comparison to like more of a freshman dorm, it, we were all kind of doing our thing. So I'd say our relationship lots of times came on the way to and from <laughs> the dorm, on the transportation, on the buses, like, oh, hey, how you doing? You know, uh, and, and so that, that, that became sort of our, our way of, of, of getting along. I got invited to a couple parties, which was nice, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's always fun. Daryl, when you think about the position, what skills did you gain that you're using today in the work that you do? Number one, I really learned a lot about de-escalating situations, sort of being the calm in the midst of something that may seem a little nerve-wracking. You know, there are times when you have residents who are stuck in the consequences of bad choices. I can remember there were there were times where I had to sort of go into the midst of that because I'm on duty and it's 3 a.m. I'm tired. I don't really want to go in, but I got to go and handle a situation that's that's happening in a, in a room. And so I remember having to go in and just be like, learn how to just be the calm while at the same time stating what needs to happen and what, what's going to be the best course of action for everyone involved, while at the same time being able to um, support residents that may need to it, it, you know, it's, I have to go to the hospital, I have to go wherever to get this situation resolved. And so um, I definitely learned that. And I'd say, I mean, the other part was really just learning a lot about how to be able to be a leader all at the same time being a part of the crowd. I know I've said that a couple of times in terms of like just being a peer, but learning to be able to chop it up with somebody, laugh, joke, talk about something that's really funny or down to earth, but at the same time being able to say, well, hey, you know, I'm going to do it tonight, so just make sure you're doing this or just watch this or make sure this is happening. You know, it really taught me how to be able to balance that. How would you say that you use these skills in the roles that you have today? So I'm, you know, not only an educator in my classroom, but I also serve as a team leader in the performing arts department at the school. And so it's very similar. The principal expects me to step in when there's support that's needed uh, to check, do, to be a part of a check and balance system on instructional goals and what's happening while at the same time being a peer. And I feel like all of my teams have always been able to come to me and talk with me about what they're really dealing with and not feel like I'm going to you know, put them in a tough spot or make them feel like they're they're not safe. And I've really appreciated that because I I know it was a direct result of learning at NYU. I mean, it it, it really is a result of that. I use it still, you know, and then of course still the balancing act. I'm very good at balancing a lot of different things, so I'm still good at that, which is a blessing. <laughs> and now balancing being a father of two besides a musician and an oh educator and a husband. Wow. How? That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we can talk a little bit about the whole music aspect of your career. I'd love to hear a little bit about the music you play, what instrument, and um, where are you playing? So I sing and I play the piano. 
And I guess during my time, even at NYU, I, I was already starting to do a lot of open mics, like at the Village Underground and showing up at the little clubs like Smalls or like Blue Note or, or Village Vanguard, just various places just to try to check out the music scene. But even then and now, I've also been really involved in the church music scene as well. So I've been a cantor at a number of Catholic churches around the city. I've been choir director and musician for a number of churches. I still you know, want some of them, you know, Redeemer Presbyterian Church. I've been uptown cantering at St. Francis de Sales, Roman Catholic Church. And even now at Calvary Fellowship AME Church, I, I still do music there in Brooklyn. And so that's been a really big part of me. It's a part of my family history and my culture and so and in my own faith. And so I, I continue to use music in that realm. Out of that time sort of being involved in that, I've become a songwriter. And so I write what I call neo gospel soul. And so the sound of it tends to sort of have a neo soul feel, but it's all my writing and I write for those that are in the margins. So there's songs that I write about homelessness, about being practical about faith and and how that should support people that are in troublesome spots, while at the same time talking about songs that, I mean, my group is called Free Mind. And so the whole purpose of that is to challenge the typical parameters that faith will at times put on us. And so thinking about how we can be more inclusive and also be more loving. And so I, I try to write music that's like that. So I put out an album in like 2012, I guess, and then I'm preparing to release a new one uh, this this year. We're finalizing the single. Where can we find this? It'll be on iTunes, Spotify, a lot of your basic platforms. It'll it will be there. You know, we're we're just waiting to mix and master that so we can put that out. But the the whole album's called Time. It's really just like, hey, considering all the stuff that we're going through right now in our world, in our country, it's time to say something different. So I, I'm excited about it. I've tried to have that in there as well. Gosh, there's so many different music things. <laughs> but still performing with other people. I mean, most recently I performed with, been performing with Kathleen Battle's Underground Railroad Chorus, which she made her return to the Metropolitan Opera House. I was a part of the choir. So that was a really rewarding experience to be a part of someone with that kind of history as an opera singer and, and, and a concert artist and to be invited to be part of her chorus was really rewarding. And then I guess the other thing is that I did a while back win the Apollo. So that was that's another little thing. Um I was in that competition. Just a little, you know, a little something else. <laughs> Jumping back to you being a cantor and are you still currently a cantor, is that right? I've been working at a an AME church is the African Methodist Episcopal Church. I'm still sort of a cantor, but it tends to take on more of the level of like a worship leader and a, and a choir director. So it's a little bit more involved than just singing the mass parts, but that sort of takes up most of my time on Sunday mornings. For myself, like I lead services here at NYU for the Reformed Jewish community. I'm like the music coordinator and I'm also studying education. I find your story really inspiring because you seem to be doing it all my question would be like how do i combine everything number one you have to prioritize there's got to be an order to what you're doing obviously for me family comes first i try to involve my family in everything i do so it's nothing to be at a recital and my kids are there or you know cantering and my kids are sitting there and they've learned how to sit and be involved 
while at the same time listening and being there. But I also think, you know, it's really about balancing your time and having a real clear sense of what you want to do, just to make sure that whatever you're doing, it's not going to become drudgery, right? You don't want to be caught in some stuff because you want to balance things, but not have like a really <laughs> a, 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 a over, overly saying yes to everything, right? You have to be able to have a healthy ability to say no, while at the same time, still, when you can, you try, but when you can't, just just say no, because it's better to let something pass you by and come back at it later than to be stuck, and then you're just upset and sad, and you're just, you're overtaxed, and you burn out. Daryl, where do you find your inspiration for the music that you write? I look at the, the communities that are struggling the most, the ones that are either cast out, the ones that are left behind, or... You know, a lot of my students do also encourage things. I have a song, this new album called Saints in the Shadow. And the song was totally inspired by a community in Baltimore, my hometown, where there's, you know, a very old African-American school where kids have been trained since the times of slavery. But literally sharing a wall with the school is the Baltimore City Jail. And this school has tried to do a number of things to continue to support students and work with them, but they don't have a whole lot. They try to graduate scholars. And I've had a number of friends move and be a part of their educational environment and also be a part of the football team and coaching their program and really developing it. And and their program got really good. It used to be like the runt of all the, you know, the division. And so now they've come along, they're winning and they're doing great things because Folks have come alongside and really helped them, but a friend of mine remarked one day and said, you know, it's just like we're safe in the shadow because we're sitting in the shadow of the jail. This is where they expect these young people to be going, you know, um, statistically. And yet they are beating the odds every day while being right there in the shadow of the jail. And that just really inspired me. And I just started writing a song called Saints in the Shadow. And I'd say, you know, inspiration really comes in a lot of those moments like that in in those times when kids talk and they tell me certain things that are a struggle for them and then at the same time just sometimes just recognizing my own experience in the world of just seeing the injustices that are really rampant far too rampant i feel how do you know when you're working with a young student that the talent is there i often look for hunger and then by that i mean that you can tell when somebody really has a spark of hunger for something and they've been either kept back from it or they haven't been able to be fed by it. You know, I teach at an urban performing arts school, the Urban Assembly School for Performing Arts, and I teach there. And I moved my life to be there because the whole premise of the school was to give a performing arts conservatory level school for kids that did not audition. And so my kids come to us, they've been rejected by most of the performing arts schools in the city. So they come to us and they're like diamonds in the rough. And what we try to do is to give them the exact experience they would have had at a school if they had gotten in or accepted. A lot of times their acceptances are not, you know, or their rejections are not based on them not having the talent. A lot of times it's just based on academic issues or 
the fact that they were suspended constantly or the fact that they had poor attendance. And sometimes the poor attendance was related to a family issue or a struggle that was going on at home that no one ever really asked about. And so when our kids come in, I work with them and we, we do, you know, each of our departments, we work with them and just develop them. And, you know, I'm thankful to say that a number of kids have been able to, you know, start to have some success in moving forward in their art. But um, when I see it, you know, it's, it's hard at times, but you have to really have a real discerning heart. You have to be able to see and hear and talk to them and build relationships with them. And, and as you as you get to know a kid, you start to see there's something else going on here. When they sing, it's hard to explain, but I just hear stuff that other people don't hear. And I just, I just pick on that. And I'm like, that's, that's gotta be something more. And, and, and so how can we, how can we elevate that? How can we magnify that and, and help a kid discover something they never discovered before? You know, I, I'm amazed by those moments. You still stay in contact with any other RA alumni? I feel like now it's like, you know, keep in touch, right? Uh, it's more like social media, <laughs> you know, Eric Gaines was a great friend of mine. He was an RA at Coral Towers. He actually was the one that sort of supported me when I when I went to apply. He had already he was already an RA. He was one of the ones that was kind of like, all right, this is what you need to do and this is what you expect. And you know, he was really helpful during the process. Outside of that, I mean, really, it's more, hey, happy birthday, or you know, hey, going, you know, that kind of thing. Because we're all in different, you know, we're kind of all in different states at this point. Daryl, time to go to speed round. You only have a few seconds to answer the following questions, and I'll start with the first one. Favorite tradition at NYU? Strawberry Festival. Yes. What was your best dining hall? Alumni Hall. I used to always go to... Or no, was that U-Hall? I can't remember. Maybe U-Hall. U-Hall. Okay. <laughs> Favorite NYU professor? Walter Reinhold. He taught music history. He passed away a few years ago, but he was... Magnificent. I had him for four years in music history, and he was just, he was great. Any celebrity sightings while you were a student at NYU? Yes, Sigourney Weaver, Foxy Brown, Bruce Willis. I also saw Sanaya Lathan. That was fun. But that was like before she was big. Best New York City place to hang out? I always hung out in Times Square. That was like my favorite. I'd go there in the middle of the night. <laughs> Finally, your most memorable RA experience. Most memorable RA experience was when I had to accompany a student to the hospital. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's definitely memorable. So, Daryl, thank you so much for spending some time with Tom and I to discuss your journey and where your life after NYU has taken you. As always, thank you to our listeners who can stay connected with RA alums who are living the Dream School alumni version life. Daryl, you're an inspiration, and I still remember Thanksgiving dinner where you shared it with you and your mom and my family. It, it was great to uh, get to reconnect with you, and thank you for reaching out to us. You're doing amazing work with the students and the families, and that's really what's making a difference in those students' lives, so thank you for doing that work. Sure, glad to. Absolutely. Spe special thanks to my engineer, Juliana Fonseco Alesso, and to the current professional staff and alums of NYU, like Antonio Gonzalez, who assisted these great RA alums in skill acquisition along the way. If you like the show, look for more content on our website, and if you want to know RA's favorite books, go to whattheyreading.blogspot.com. And finally, feel free to tweet at me at T.E. Ellett for a shout-out. Until next time, think about 
the youth in our communities, and how we can prop them up to be the best future community leaders. Have a good night.